Hallelujah, Christ is risen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's be honest, it's really hard to believe everything that we talk about in Christianity. We don't see people who pop up out of the grave and rise from the dead on a regular basis. We don't see things like pillars of cloud and pillars of fire. We don't see things like God speaking through a burning bush. We don't see miraculously the blind having given sight, the lame walking, and the dead being raised. And honestly, it's really hard to think that one man, one person, who lived over 2,000 years ago is the savior of the entire world from the very per first person to the very last person who has ever lived. It's hard. I'm not going to sit here today and act like it should be all fine and dandy and it's very easy. When you pick apart everything that we believe and confess as Christians, it's hard and it doesn't seem to make sense. And if that was not bad enough, you have two different onslaughts that go against you as Christians today. The first is the world, the unbelieving world that says to you, show us your Jesus. Show us who he is and what he's done. We don't see him. We don't seem to hear him. Why do bad things happen to good people? You say you're praying. You say that you're being meditated on, your God, on God's word. You have your book, your holy book. Why is it that we don't see proof? You say you have faith, but we would rather believe by seeing. What do you say to people like that? I don't know, pastor. We'll just have them come talk to you. Admittedly, I say, what am I going to say to people like this? And then, if that wasn't bad enough, you have those in Christianity who turn around to you and say, well, you just have to have a strong faith. You just have to believe more. You have to be truly passionate and very, very repentant. And you have to pull your bootstraps up around yourself you have to be more faithful. You have to be more dedicated. You have to be more missional. You have to be all of these things if you truly are going to call yourself a Christian. What do we do? It's really hard in many ways. And admittedly, these readings today that you have in front of you don't seem very Easter-like. They don't speak about Jesus rising from the dead. They don't speak about Jesus appearing to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't speak about Jesus being in the upper room, speaking peace be with you to his disciples. What is Jesus talking about that he's going to go away and then he'll come back again? What is Isaiah talking about? What is John talking about here today? We don't hear anything, Pastor, about the resurrection. But go back for a moment to Isaiah 40. As I just mentioned, in all of these things, it's incredibly hard to believe what you've been given in this faith. And in many ways, we find ourselves like the children of Israel 
in chapter 40, verse 27 today. My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Give us a sign. Give us something, Jesus. If you just get my rear end out of this corner, I'll be more faithful. I'll go to church more. I'll listen to your word more. And then you have what Jesus says today to his disciples. He says these things that don't make sense, that don't seem very comforting. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you'll see me. And you'll notice what the disciples do. Yes, Lord, whatever you say, Lord, absolutely. You speak the words of eternal life. Whatever you say, Jesus, we'll follow along like little lemmings. Is that what you see here? What is this he says to us? What's he talking about? A little while and you'll not see me. And again, a little while and you'll see me. What's he talking about? Because I'm going to the Father. And then John repeats this again. What does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Ever been there? Absolutely. And then the world piles it on to you as well. Where is this Jesus? We don't see him. We don't believe him. You guys are weak. You're foolish. You believe in that dead book of yours. It means nothing to us. It's not relevant. And it doesn't give us the hope in the midst of a world full of tragedy, suffering, and death. And then if that wasn't odd enough, what does Jesus say? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Chapter 16, verse 20, is not something that we put on our inspirational calendars, is it? You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Come on, Jesus. We're here in church today. We've been given this all throughout our life. Give us some little sign, some little hope. And then when you have others within Christianity saying, you just need to try and be dedicated and believe harder, you just have to believe and believe more, it makes it even more distressing. Don't ever sit there and use that kind of language. Well, you just have to believe, because literally what that is saying is, is that it's like Jesus being the father or the mother with a little child who has learned to crawl. That little child, when that baby is born, clings to the mother and father, has to be carried around all along, everywhere where they go. And when they start to crawl, the parents step away and say, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. You just have to believe more. It's like Jesus looking at us when we use that kind of language saying, I'm right here. Come on. You can do it. You just have to believe more, folks. You have to be more dedicated. You have to be truly, truly, truly repentant. And what do we do in the midst of all of this? We have questions. We have doubts. 
We have fears. We don't know what to say to these people who say these things. So I'm going to give you a little ammunition today to those who say they don't believe this, they don't know what this is all about, they don't believe that Jesus really ever existed or he really doesn't mean anything. I want you to turn around and say, well, I don't believe Abraham Lincoln ever existed. I don't believe Albert Einstein ever existed. I certainly do not believe that Henry VIII existed or George Washington. What are you talking about? Prove it. Have Abraham Lincoln step in here right now and give us his Gettysburg Address. Have George Washington come in here now and do whatever George Washington does. Have Albert Einstein come in with his chalkboard and explain to you what he discovered. You can't. Why? They done died. They're in the ground. And yet, if I asked you to raise your hand today, how many would you believe that those guys existed? Absolutely, Pastor. Yeah, somebody could raise their hands. Yeah. How do you know this? How do you believe this? That's the key. Well, we had a teacher who opened up a history book and taught us about these things, Pastor. Well, I'll be dipped. A teacher using a book to teach you things about historical figures that you can't see, that you don't know truly with your own eyes that they exist, and you believe it. You even took tests on it. You wrote papers on it. You were given grades on it. You were smacked by your parents in the head when you were failing your history class. Get with the program. Every little thing that you are taught in your classes as a child and growing up is all done by faith. We don't see Albert Einstein. We don't see Abraham Lincoln. We don't see Jesus either. But the world has no problems believing that somebody like Einstein, Lincoln, Washington, or Henry VIII existed. Well, we have pictures. Well, I believe that those pictures were doctored up in the 1960s. We have paintings. Well, I believe those paintings were made up in the 1920s. They weren't truly of somebody like Washington. We have video or film of Albert Einstein speaking. That was done in the back lot of a Hollywood set some 70 years ago. You see where we're going? You take so many things apart from the church by faith. And the world does as well outside of us. But here's the kicker. Jesus Christ had over 500 eyewitnesses of him and his resurrection. You even have non-Christian historians like Josephus who was talking about people speaking about seeing the living Christ who rose from the dead. How many eyewitnesses do you need? And what does Paul even say? If Christ is not risen from the dead, your faith is in vain. And the thing is with any of this, 
It's not just that we believe in Christ just to believe in him because we've always believed in him and it's kind of a good thing and he teaches us good morals and all these other things. We believe in Jesus Christ because he has overcome death. Your death. My death. Einstein, Lincoln, Washington's death. He has overcome sin and death of the whole world. Your history lessons in junior high or high school don't give you that assurance or that promise, but you believe the information you've received. This is not just simply good news like the Brewers are winning right now. This is news that changes your life. This is news that promises you that no matter how much suffering, weeping, or lamenting, no matter how much pain we see going around us, Christ is risen. And for those who sit there and say to you, you just have to believe a little bit more. You have to be more faithful. You have to be more dedicated. You have to have that missionary zeal to belong in the kingdom of God. I want you to turn to the collect of the day in the front part of your bulletin. And I want you to pray it with me. We're going to say this together. Almighty God, you show those in error the light of your truth so that they may return to the way of righteousness. Grant faithfulness. Stop right there. Grant faithfulness to all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's church. This is not about you and your faith. This is about God granting you faith and sustaining your faith. This is about God speaking his word of faith, hope, and love, and mercy into you each and every day that you've been granted. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Have you not known, have you not heard? The further that we push ourselves away from these things of God, these holy external things that God has given to us in his word by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be sunk. If this is you and pulling up your bootstraps, if this is you somehow passionately being dedicated and renewing yourself by yourself and your dedication, then what are you going to do when Jesus says you will weep and you will lament? You and I have to ask God to grant us faith. And that's not just one time. It is all the time. It is all the time because you are in a world where bad things happen to people. You are in a world where you have sinned and you have abandoned people and you have left them for dead, you have said nasty, terrible things about them, where we ourselves have added to all of the weeping and lamenting in society today. You live in a world where death rules and reigns over us. And if this is about you and how much you can do and how much faith you can have, 
and how much you need to be dedicated, then let's just leave here today. Because as soon as things fall apart and your rear end is back in that corner again, you don't have the ability or the means, nor do you want to have an increase in faith. This is why David says in the Psalms, and you know this very well, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Grant faithfulness to us, God, because we have been admitted into your fellowship. And this is why if you step into my office, you'll see a needlepoint of 1 John 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. It's not maybe you'll be. It's not when you die, you better hope that you be. It's not when you have questions and suffering and weeping and lamenting. If you just try hard enough, maybe God will call you to be a child of God. No, he has called you in your baptism. And by that baptism, you are now a child of God. You were ever since he called you by name. You are today and you will be tomorrow. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. And look at verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. That is God speaking to you externally what he has done and given to you each and every day by his son's cross and his resurrection. It's not just simply good news. It is you being called into the family of God. It is you facing weeping, lamenting, and sorrow and not saying those things are not going to get me. It is you looking in the midst of all of those things and saying and being reminded what Jesus says, no one will take your joy from you. Not even the world, not even those Christians who like to tell you that it's all about how much you can do for God. We come in here broken. We come in here weeping and lamenting. We come in here suffering. And you are reminded once again today that you are God's children now. And that what we will be has not yet appeared. But according to the book, According to the witnesses, John was one of them. According to everything that you have been taught and that we now believe because God has given us this faith, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Jesus talks about it as a woman giving birth. She has sorrow. Because she knows that there will be pain, there will be frustrations, there will be agony in giving birth. 
but I have never once heard or seen a mother holding that newborn child saying, welcome into the world. Do you know how much I had to go through to get you here? She goes through the anguish, the weeping, the lamenting for joy that a human being has been born into the world. We go through the weeping, the anguish, and joy that a human being has been born from the grave. Christ is risen. He is, risen he is the first fruits of all creation. He is the first fruits of our resurrection. He is the promise that no matter what you and I face, no matter what the world says to you, mocks you, or whatever else it is, let them go away but also pray that they too would repent and be given this gift of faith through the forgiveness of all of their sins. But in all of these things, be reminded that the first fruits of all creation, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, has promised you that that joy will never be taken away, even in the face of death, even in the face of questions or suffering. And so, yes, it is difficult, it is downright difficult when you face it relying on yourself. But when we turn to God and say that most wonderful prayer from Scripture, you are assured that he will grant you faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and he will today and always, because Christ is risen. Jesus is indeed. Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.